Hi, this is Mike McNamara, and I'll be your host for the next two hours. If you're a first-time listener, you need to know what this show is about. This is a call-in talk radio show. We hope that you call us. We don't give hot investment tips or predict where the stock market is going from here. Hot tips aren't a sensible way to invest your money, and nobody knows where the financial markets are going. We do talk about a wide range of topics related to personal finances, investments, and retirement planning. This is the important stuff. Major financial events and decisions you face in your life, birth of a child, death of a loved one, marriage, remarriage, divorce, college costs, retirement, changing jobs, living within your means, managing your debt, buying a home, refinancing, receiving an inheritance, investing, insurance, annuities. Second, you should know a little about me. McNamara Financial Services is a family business. The four of us are certified financial planner practitioners. We manage money for a fee. We provide retirement planning on an hourly basis for a fee to folks who need it. And we figure that's just about everybody. We always try to do what's best for our clients and we're into long-term client relationships. In our practice, we give financial advice to our clients. We know their financial situation in detail before doing so. That's not the case with callers we may speak to on this show. We can't give truly meaningful financial advice because we don't know the detailed financial situation of the caller. Any suggestions we make to callers are generic in nature and meant to steer a caller in the right direction. Callers need to check with their own financial professionals before implementing any suggestions that we might make. At times on this show, we talk about investments and investment performance. This is the part where we have to say that investment returns are not guaranteed and that past performance does not guarantee future results. You probably know that, but we just wanted to make sure. So, if you have a question for us, please give us a call at 781-837-4900. The only dumb question is the one that you don't ask. Listening to McNamara on Money, the South Shore's very own financial talk radio show. I'm Alyssa McNamara Reed. Happy Thanksgiving weekend, everybody. I hope everyone enjoyed the holiday. Um, I am here this morning with my husband and business partner, Kirk Reed. Good morning. Good morning. And we are um, we're going to focus today's show on thanks and giving, appropriately so. I think we did this last year. I think we did a similar. Thanks and Giving show last year. And if we didn't actually do that show, we intended to do that show because I remember thinking about it about a year ago. I'm sure this one will be better. I'm sure it will be better, yes. We just get better with age. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, we're going to sort of break today's show into four segments and talk about inheriting money and uh, talk about uh, preparation for leaving a legacy. So we kind of wanted to come at... Um, thanks and giving. Giving in and that, receiving. Yes, yes. so th- perfectly said. Giving and receiving of assets, and we'll loop uh, group charitable giving into there as well. It's a charitable time of year for many people, and we wanted to cover some topics related to such. So, And also, for full disclosure, we are trying to make an effort going forward to break the show into four segments, which lines up well with um, the breaks that we normally do roughly on the half hour, but also... We do have a podcast of McNamara on money and a two hour podcast is not 
realistic for people to listen to. Most of the podcasts I listen to are in the 10 to 25 minute length. And um, so we're trying to break our shows into four podcasts each so that they're a little bit more digestible. Um, so, so if you do follow us on your podcast app, stay tuned for that because n- instead of getting one show a week, you're going to get four. Are, what? Are, Why are you laughing? We do no. have lots of downloads of our podcast. No, I'm not laughing at that. I just remember somebody using the phrase, I, I'm pretty sure they said digestible chunks. Digestible chunks. Which yes. That does, was, that does not sound very was, appealing. <laughs> yeah. they don't that was our marketing consultant, Laurel, and she was talking about putting content onto social media. Right. In digestible chunks, right? The, we kept saying the word chunk was not not a palatable yeah, word to use. And... <laughs> chunks, That's right, but it makes sense when you think about it because on social media and on the internet, you can't have too much text. People don't read it, and right. I think the same is true with with audio via podcast. That you can't have so so much content is not realistic. So that was the that's the intent behind breaking our. So instead of using chunks, we're going to use digestible segments. Segments, I like it. All right. Um, so we are going to focus our first segment on inheriting assets of the non-qualified variety. And what that means is the non-retirement variety. So if you are unfortunate and fortunate enough to inherit money from someone that has passed, um, there are in our world sort of two broad types of monies that you could inherit, one being qualified and one being non-qualified. Qualified is a fancy term for retirement monies, so tax-deferred, potentially tax-deductible when contributed monies, and non-qualified are just non-retirement money. So it could be monies that was in a bank account, um, an investment account that was not in retirement, um, CDs at the bank, many, many of those are non-qualified. Actually, you can have retirement CDs, but um, so it's money of the non-retirement type. And tax consequences vary between those two different types of monies. And so we wanted to sort of touch on that first, and then we'll talk about what to do with money that you, again, are fortunate enough to inherit, but unfortunately, someone had to pass in order for dollars to be inherited sometimes, although people do certainly... Um, gift assets during their life and when we'll talk about that when we get to the gifting portion of the show so when you inherit um i guess we should probably break this down so so we're talking about inheriting monies of the non-retirement type first and i think we should break this down between invested money and cash money all right so so if if you inherit money that was cash in the bank um money market savings checking anything like that or even if it was inside of an investment account but it was cash there are no tax consequences to to inheriting to cash the re- to the receiving party to, to the receiving yes. party so if you're getting the money you don't have to worry about paying any taxes on that money that's right um there's also if you inherit money that was inside of an investment account there may be tax consequences to li- what's called liquidating, which means selling positions inside of the investment account and taking the proceeds. So we're going to, if we fast forward a little bit, we're going to talk about what do you do when you inherit money? And there's basically two options or, or a combination of the two options. One is you leave the money invested and one is you take the liquid, either take the cash if it's cash or liquidate invested dollars 
turn it into cash, which means sell it, turn it into cash and use the cash in your life in some way. So, so if we sort of fast forward a bit, when people receive money, they either spend it or they keep it or they save it and keep it that, which could mean just saving it in the bank or it could mean investing it. So again, if you, if we back up, we, we need to explain how you get to the point where you, if you are going to be using the money just in your life on whatever expense, you might need to convert it to cash, right? So again, that would apply to invested dollars. So if you receive, for example, um, if someone passed, let's call it one of your parents, if one of your parents passed and they had an investment account that was in their name only, not inside of a retirement account, could be in their name or in what's called a revocable trust or a living trust. Actually, we're going to kind of talk about trust after after this, but if you inherit monies that were just in their own name, the person that passed, and let's say it was, um, let's say your parents had a stock or something and they had it for lots and, and lots of years and there was what's called an unrealized gain within that position. So quick example, if your parents um, had a share of stock that they've had for just making up a number 30 years. They might have invested $1,000 in this stock and now it's, uh, the share price has grown to such that it's worth $20,000. So in that example, there's an unrealized capital gain within that position. Mm -hmm. It's not quite as black and white as they paid 1000 and now it's worth 20 so the, the gain is 19 It's not quite that black and white if they were reinvesting dividends so and we don't we don't need to digress too much from the point but potentially their gain is is in the nineteen thousand dollar range in that example where they paid a thousand dollars for someone for for a share of of a, either a stock or a security and it grew to twenty thousand in reality the gain might be lower if they were reinvesting dividends but just for ease of of um, proving the point there's an unrealized gain in that example of roughly nineteen thousand dollars so if again let's assume that it was a parent that passed if that parent had sold that share of stock while they were living sold it and took the twenty thousand dollars in cash they would have realized a $19,000, again, roughly, capital gain, and they would have to report that on their taxes, and their taxes due on that capital gain for most people are 15% federal, although some people are in the 0% right. cap gains bracket and some people are in a higher bracket. It just depends on your adjusted gross income. So, but, however, so, so that's if they had sold that share while they were, while they were, those shares while they were living. When someone passes and they have investments inside of a non-retirement asset, in most situations, again, unless we talk about it for a moment, we'll touch on it in a few minutes, we'll touch on a trust that was outside of the estate. But in most situations, when someone passes, having monies invested in a non-retirement account, the beneficiaries, whomever they may be, get, what, get what's called a step up in cost basis as of the date that person passed. So in our example where parent paid $1,000 for a stock, grows to be $20,000 in value, and then parent passes while the stock is still invested. And let's say there's one kid, let's just keep the math really simple. When the child, whether it's a, a, a young child or the adult child, whoever it may be, gets what's called a step up in cost basis to the, 
to the market value of that stock as of date of death. So in our example, if $20,000 was value as of date of death, the recipient or the beneficiary would receive not a $1,000 cost for the stock, but a $20,000 cost for the stock. And if they sold it or liquidated it relatively immediately after um, the date of that person's passing, there would be little to no tax consequence and little to no gain realized. Did I explain that? Okay, I was trying to go slow. I, I, sometimes I get into the weeds of taxation and I enjoy it, but I'm trying to go slow to, to explain that. Did I explain yeah. that? Okay. I mean, I understand it because I've, I've heard it <laughs> well, before. Well, that's good. I'm glad yeah. you understand yeah. it. Um, so that's what's, what's called a step up in basis is essentially that most non-retirement assets that are in, that are passed down, let's say, to a generation, most of them have little to no tax consequences to be liquidated immediately. And that's just because basically those unrealized gains from the invested securities, so in, that, in our example, that $19,000 unrealized gain, which represents appreciation of the share price of, of that investment, it's essentially wiped out as of date of death. So the beneficiaries, like if, if, the, if the parent died on a Monday, it doesn't generally happen this quickly, but if, if mom or dad died on a Monday and the, the, the beneficiary liquidated that security, so, oh, sorry, back up. If the parent died on, a, died on a Monday, if on Sunday before they passed, they had liquidated that stock, they would have $19,000 tax gain to report uh, on their taxes. If parent passes without liquidating, the beneficiary could literally liquidate it the next day when it's in their name as beneficiary, and there would be no tax gain to report. Yeah. It doesn't generally happen that quickly. Um, I guess if someone was in desperate need of assets and paperwork was done very quickly, it, it could. Um, but it's that's what's called the step up in cost basis. In the... I don't think you said this, but I think I mean the rationale for why that why that happens that way is that the in your example the full twenty thousand dollars worth of stock would be included in the deceased person's estate. So it is being right. it is being Correct. accounted for as far Correct. as far as the IRS is concerned uh, somewhere. And they may have um, a taxable estate, and they may not. But right. Yes, it's Which, included in there. Yeah, and the fact that it's not included in for a lot of folks, you know, because most people are under the exclusion, but. You know, to me, that sounds like a loophole that might get closed at some point. Uh, I have heard there, I believe, was chatter last tax year about eliminating the step, the step up, up in basis. Yeah, uh, that was a that was, I believe, in the original proposed legislation for the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. It was eventually removed. That didn't make it through Congress, but um, I believe they've discussed that probably several times in, in uh, proposed legislation, but that hasn't passed yet. That's actually a really powerful estate planning tool. Right. If people have um, you know, stock positions that they've held for 50 years, I mean, there can potentially be incredible unrealized tax gains in there. And one of the things we're going to talk about in one of our, one of our segments in terms of planning for... Um, leaving assets to family or beneficiaries is utilizing that powerful step-up-in basis tool that's that's still in tax law. Um, so I guess long, actually, well, I'll, long story short is that most- Long story longer. I know, but then I have to make it longer because yeah. I forgot we had to talk about um, 
trusts that are outside of the estate. But for most people that inherit assets of the non-qualified or non-retirement variety, they are inheriting them in a very tax-efficient way, meaning in most situations they could, maybe I shouldn't say most, I don't know the statistics, but in many situations, even if this the dollars were invested in some way, they could generally liquidate, take the cash, and have very little to no tax consequences to do so. There's also, um, well, I guess there are, I'm not an attorney and neither is Kirk, but there are different types of trusts that estate planning attorneys will prepare. Um, it's simplest in my mind to break it down between the, re uh, the revocable variety, which is what's also known as a living trust, which from a tax point of view, they call it like an extension of you, right? They, from a tax point of view, a revocable living trust is no different from you. You, you control the trust, you're the trustee, um, you know, or earnings inside the trust flow to your personal tax return. Those dollars are included in your estate, like we were just talking about, and includable in, a, in an estate tax calculation. Those, uh, but those assets get a step up in basis as at date of death, just like individually held and in, in assets do. There's also a type of trust called an irrevocable trust. Sometimes people use these for, well, for estate planning, um, I, I guess I've pro primarily seen them used for, well, estate, oh, estate tax planning and also Medicaid planning. So the irrevocable, the irrevocable trust putting money into an, again, we're not attorneys, please call your estate planning attorney if you have further questions on this. People that put, I think in many situations, well, number one, when you put money into an irrevocable trust, you make an irrevocable decision to give up ownership of the assets. The trust owns it and you name a trustee that's not yourself. Um, putting monies into a trust like that, I think in many, maybe most but not all, I think oftentimes irrevocable trust dollars are not included in the estate calculation, though I think sometimes they can be. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm, Five -year look I'm admittedly yeah. a little bit unclear on that. On that, I don't know if it's a particular language in the trust that or a period determines of time that. that. Has to elapse, yeah, so. I should, we're hoping to have an estate planning show um, either in, earlier uh, in the next couple of months, either end of this calendar year or beginning of next calendar. We'll have to make sure to ask that question. Um, but I believe, but there are certainly times when irrevocable trust dollars are not included in someone's estate at death. And it is in that situation. So if you inherit dollars from a parent, for example, or really anyone, but a parent, for example, and your parents had done some sort of estate planning or perhaps um, long-term care planning and, and trying to pr protect assets from, um, from Medicaid, from, from having to go on Medicaid and from long-term care services, um, I, I believe that when you inherit assets of that variety, you do not get a step up in basis. So if... Um, you know, your, your parents had put $100,000 into an irrevocable trust and maybe they funded it with cash, for example. So tax basis was 100. Maybe that trust grew to be $200,000 by the time they passed, he or she passed. The beneficiaries in that example would not receive that step up in tax basis if the trust was not included in the estate 
of the person of the decedent or the person who passed. Um, so that's an example where you have to be very careful about tax consequences if you are li or considering liquidating securities that you've inherited, you have to ensure, or we recommend that you ensure that you understand the tax ramifications, if any, of such liquidations. Because you know, if you're talking about hundreds of thousands of dollars potentially or more that you inherit, and if it was inside of a, uh, an irrevocable trust that wasn't in the estate, you just have to be very careful and understand um, what the tax basis is, because you could potentially realize some capital gains that that you um, well, you just want to make sure you know. No, as long as you have the tax, the dollars to pay the taxes, um, and you understand the ramifications of that, that's that's all we're saying. Certainly, not saying you can't do it, but um, we sort of always tiptoe around with beneficiaries that inherit money. We sort of always tiptoe around um, liquidations and ensuring that we understand. So that generally means communicating with. Uh, this person's estate planning attorney and right. their CPA is preparing the taxes and understanding what's included in the estate and what's not and, and when to um, when to apply that step up in basis. Just just a quick note in our world, being investment professionals in our world, when someone passes and dollars are moved from let's say an individual account and that person who passed name, and they move into either an estate account or they move into an account for the beneficiary, that step up in basis is not automatically done. So that, that step up in tax basis is something that the investment professional or the recipient of the dollars has to instruct the custodian or the, the financial company holding the money. That has to, you have to instruct the custodian to do that because the custodian or the, the investment company holding those dollars doesn't, it, it's not, yeah, right, it's not know. their yeah. position to yeah. understand that. So they don't right. automatically apply that step up in basis. I mean, custodians, at least now, you know, 20 years ago, this was different. But nowadays, custodians track that basis for taxes because they have to prepare uh, tax documents and send them earlier, early in the year for everyone. And so they're tracking that, that basis for taxes so that upon liquidation, they can, send some, they can adequately report to the government and they can send someone an accurate tax document. But it's not their responsibility to get into the estate planning of that particular right. family. So it won't happen automatically. So make sure that you discuss with either your financial professional, your accountant, and or your estate planning attorney in these situations to ensure that if you're inheriting securities, in a non-retirement account, you understand, uh, or you you have been given the appropriate step up and basis if you are entitled to one. Right, and you would, you know, we would tell you, most likely you would want to update that cost basis before you actually sell the things. That way it's a lot cleaner when you get your tax return. Sure, as absolutely. To, as opposed to trying to yep. do it after, you know, selling and then worrying about it because that could That's be true. a bit messy. You can you can do it, but it, you can. it is messy. It's much cleaner if you update it first. It generally takes, I don't know, a 24-hour cycle. Yeah, I mean, I know we've done it, you know, yeah. so we, you know, using, you know, we use TD Ameritrade as our custodian and I know they have a form basically to, to, to accomplish that and it has to be signed off, you know, by the executor or yep. the personal representative. They sign up basically indemnifying, you know, TD Ameritrade that this is, mm -hmm. you know, this was the correct, this is the correct course of action. Um, this is what happened, uh, you know, death certificate, you know, and all yeah. that, all those things. Um, you know, one other thing about that is, you know, 
the updating the cost basis. So you can do it on the date of death or the the other options. You can do it six think. months afterwards. That's right. You have to so make sure you cooperate with the accountant. Yeah, there's an one. alternate. You get, there's an alternate um, alternate uh, date, which is six months after the date of death. That's right. But uh, my understanding is it has to be applied across the board. You can't yeah, just you can't just do correct. that for one asset. You know, that's you can't correct. like cherry pick. That's correct. Um, but if you know, if if the I mean, if if the estate substantially decreased, you know, six months after the date of death, that might be a reason to to think about doing it because yep. you know their taxable estate or you know taxes to the heirs could could go down um, based right. on that. Right. Fair point. And make sure you make sure you cooperate with your. Hopefully, you have an accountant for raising right. a return. Yeah. All right. Let's move on from taxes. I could talk about that all day, but we should probably switch gears and we'll talk about what to do what to do with the money. Because one of the most common questions I get as an advisor, or one of the most um, common reasons that someone might walk into our office is that they just inherited some money and they don't know what to do with it. So, and that's certain, there's certainly not a blanket answer for everyone, but I just was thinking about, you know, in most circumstances. So I have a few bullet points of things that I would generally recommend someone do with their money, sort of in order of how I might recommend them. But again, it depends on the circumstances and, and the, the person inheriting the money. It certainly depends on their age, whether or not they have their own kids and are planning for future college, how much debt do they have, what are what are their savings for retirement like, are they on a good track um, with, with or without the inheritance. So a lot of, lot of factors that go into that recommendation. Um, but I would say the most common recommendations I make, well, again, we talked about in general, options are leave the money invested or a portion of it, leave the money invested or, or take the cash and do something with it. Or again, anywhere in between, any, any combination of that. So we can talk about investing. As, of course, we'll talk about um, you know options for leaving the money invested, but for a minute, let's just talk about what do you do with the money? So my most common recommendations are, well, what do you have for debt? And is there a debt that we can pay off? If someone has high interest rate debt, which most common type is credit card debt, um, I'm, I'm certainly favor paying off debt if possible of, of the high interest rate variety. Um, if people have student loans, either for themselves or for their kids, you know, certainly, um, Paying off or paying those down make a lot of sense. Um, paying off the mortgage. I mean, again, it's hard to make a blanket recommendation, but reduction of or elimination of debt, if possible, is one of my one of the highest top priorities. priorities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I would start with um, probably the higher highest interest rate debt and the non deductible type of debt. So, credit card debt being in there and personal loans. Um, auto loans, though those tend to be pretty low interest rate, at least late, lately. Um, student loans, whether they're federal or private, federal loans have a pretty low rate, but private loans a little bit higher. Um, and I probably last in my order would be fixed mortgage. Variable mortgage, like a home equity line, might be on there because you're subject to interest rate increases. But my, probably the last one I would cherry pick is, is a fixed mortgage because interest rates are at least in recent years with the refi boom that we just went, went mm-hmm. through. Most people have a pretty reason, reasonable interest rate on their mortgage, and I would sort of cherry pick that last. And also um, mortgages are still tax deductible up to three quarters of a million, I think was the new um, fixed mortgages anyway, not necessarily home equity lines. But 
Um, you know, and beyond that, if someone has no debt or very little debt, and again, depending on the dollars you're talking about, if the debt is small relative to the dollars that are inherited, you know, what, so what do you do beyond that? If, if we can do more than reduce or eliminate debt, um, you know, certainly building cash, if, if it's someone that doesn't have an emergency reserves account or has a very small one, certainly just building some cash so you feel better about your cash position is always good. Um, and then, uh, you know, how if the person inheriting the money has kids of their own, how old are the kids? Are they going to be going to college? Right. Are they going to be bearing the burden of some or all of the college education? What are the dollars saved for that? So certainly using for um, schooling and then uh, it is a great idea to get a head start on saving for college or, to, again, to pay down student loans that they may have already taken. And then obviously their own retirement. So what what are... Um, what, are the, what does their retirement look like? Are they on a good track? Are they saving a decent amount? Um, I've actually, since we're talking about inheriting, for this segment anyway, we've been talking about inheriting non-retirement assets. I've actually, I can think of a few situations where someone inherited dollars and, and perhaps, let's just use an example, someone inherited a few hundred thousand dollars, maybe they're age 55, and they haven't been putting as much into their retirement accounts as they would like to be. Maybe, you know, our goal was 15% to the 401k, maybe they've been doing 5%, something like that. Um, there have been times when I've recommended, like if someone inherits cash, to actually maybe hollow out a, a chunk of the cash, maybe not all of it, but hollow out a chunk of the cash and if you can use that chunk to live off of for a period of time, you or, or partially live off of, you could live off of your cash because there's no taxes to draw the cash and increase your contribution to your retirement plan if we determine that the contribution wasn't, you know, we weren't at target anyway. And, and so the benef- there's a tax benefit to that because you're drawing down cash that has no tax consequence to you and you're reducing your taxable income by putting money into a 401k or a 403b or a retirement plan, assuming you do the deductible type. So mm-hmm. that's... Right, because, yeah, you can't just take the inheritance and stick it in the 401k. The, uh, the, you, know, just, right. you just can't do that. So right. this, is the way, this is the workaround, yeah. It's a, work, it's a workaround for getting money into a more tax-efficient um, vehicle in and of itself. Right. Um, yeah, like if someone has doesn't have a retirement plan through work and they want to take... 5500 or 6500 and stick it into an IRA that's they can certainly do that but you know that's not a lot of dollars in the grand scheme of what you could potentially inherit which is you know from zero to no limit to that but yeah. um yeah, it's but like for, a tax workaround yeah yeah for and then for somebody that doesn't have a 401k then right yeah so they're limited to just the you know 5 or 6000 yeah. dollars a year whatever it may be but you know they could obviously invest those dollars in a, a non-qualified account like we were talking about earlier and Right. You know, every year move, you know, move five or six thousand over into an IRA and yep. Yep. over time get it in there, but at least have the money, the dollars invested. Yeah. Uh, um, so using it in, I would say like using it to benefit your cash flow or using it to supplement your income to better your cash flow short term or long term. Great use of inherited dollars um, and also keeping it invested, which we'll touch on in the next segment. We're going to take a break here in a minute. The, w- the one thing I just wanted to. You know, I was trying to think of, you know, what to do and what not to do with inherited dollars. 
And really the only blanket answer I could come up with for what not to do was just not to be too impulsive, mm, right? Like, yes. like at least just, you know, take some time <laughs> to think about your options. Um, you know, think about what might be best for you from a financial point of view. Obviously, it's, you know, have some fun with it if you can, but, you know, just not to be impulsive and, um, you know, maybe not throw it all down on the mortgage if there's several other things that you could be using those dollars for, so... I think I was actually just thinking about that and all I think although I think that's the right rational advice. Yeah. I think there are there are people out there that if they don't do something with it appropriate right away, they might start doing inappropriate things like, Oh, I really could use a new car. Oh. I really could and then so the longer right. it sits there and they look at it, they start what they start spending on that's things true. that if they had done something appropriate right off the bat, you know, just like they say, out of sight, out of mind, or right. like, you know, pay yourself first. I, I, so, I, although I agree with you, I think sometimes if it just sits there and people look at it, they start, they start spending it. Um, That's true. Or if you're, and if you're going to be impulsive, at least don't be impulsive with all the dollars. Right. Because maybe use some dollars in a, in a responsible way. All right, let's take a break. We're going to come back in a few minutes. We'll talk about inheriting... Um, assets of a different type of the retirement variety. We'll touch on a few different concepts related to that. We're going to take a little bit of a break. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed. You're listening to McNamara on Money. Happy Thanksgiving weekend. We'll be right back. <laughs> 